1: This week, we'll hear news from India affecting radio personalities, royalties in the works for audiobook narrators in the UK, and the Voice Arts Awards. In the biz, Grant Thomas from Voices.com shares his thoughts on accents, sound-alikes, and improv, as well as memories of Robin Williams and his work.
0: The Loop, informing you of news and current voiceover events.
1: Have you heard about what's going on with radio personalities in Kolkata? India's national public radio broadcaster was widely reported to have fired about 100 presenters for being over its new age limit of 35. But those reports have since been challenged in a statement by All India Radio, reports the Greenslade blog via The Guardian. The broadcaster says the original story is a misreporting of a press conference in which it was stated that radio jockeys aged over 35 at its Kolkata-based outlets would be required to undergo a voice modulation test. This was necessary in order to infuse freshness to the presentation of programs. According to a report in the Kolkata Telegraph, the presenters will be allowed to stay on only if they pass the test that proves that they don't sound too mature and boring. And could you get paid every time someone borrows an audiobook that you narrated from their public library? This is soon to become a reality in the United Kingdom, as indicated by Public Lending Right, also called PLR. Public Lending Right is the right for authors to receive payment for the loans of their books by public libraries. Under the PLR system in the UK, payment is made from government funds to authors, illustrators and other contributors whose books are borrowed from public libraries. These payments are made annually on the basis of loans data collected from a sample of public libraries in the UK. The Irish Public Lending Remuneration (PLR) system covers all libraries in the Republic of Ireland and operates in a similar way. To qualify for payment, applicants must apply to register their books Anyone seeking PLR for their audiobook work needs to wait until mid-December 2014 to apply. Have you ever submitted yourself for a voiceover award? Don't let your chance at recognition slip away. The entry deadline for the Voice Arts Awards is Sunday, August 24th at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Enter your best commercials, promos, audiobooks, animated characters, body of work, and demo reels in this prestigious awards competition. You can join James Earl Jones in the Winner Circle at the Voice Arts Awards Gala on Sunday, November 9th at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. Find links to these stories and more on the Vox Talk Facebook page.
0: The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business.
1: This week in the biz, I'm pleased to present Grant Thomas. Grant is the manager of professional services at Voices.com, and he joins us here in the studio to talk about accents, sound-alikes, and a little bit about improv, and most importantly, how you can do all of these things authentically. So welcome to the show, Grant.
0: Hey, thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Uh, Hello, everyone. Uh, Finally, nice to speak to you. I'm a big fan of all of yours, as you may know. Um, My role in the organization is really to, of course, Uh, work with the client to find new opportunities to be able to present to the community, but also on the other side, really be able to be an advocate for uh, talent. So when you're actually dealing with a project on the go, uh, have someone on your side to at least make sure that the information is clear at all times and uh, that it works out really good for everybody.
1: Indeed, and I know that you are a favorite of many voice talent too, Grant. And of course, your clients really appreciate how you work with them, and, and you bring a wonderful layer of just experience and depth to to what we do here at Voices. So thank you so much. And I'm I'm surprised that we've waited this long, frankly, to have you on the show. I've been waiting and waiting to have Grant on. So thank I've you very much. I've been
0: surprised too, and thank you for answering all my emails. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is like a dream come true for me. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I love your acceptance speech there. That's great. All right. So so um, while we're talking, and I think um, people would really appreciate this conversation because it's about authenticity and it's it's about how they can properly present themselves and their talents, being honest with what they can do in order to give the client exactly what they're looking for. So, Grant, um, if I could ask you a question, maybe about accents first. Sure. Yeah. So what do you find uh, maybe makes someone stick out for uh, the wrong reasons when they're doing an accent. So in other words, how easy is it for you to spot an accent that's off in an audition?
0: I'm pretty good, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if it's that I'm just a fan of uh, whether it be cartoons, animation, throughout sort of, you know, all of my, um, you know, being a fan of just the media itself. But uh, ultimately, if the client is asking for something, and you can really get from a conversation with a client, you know, kind of where they're going with a particular product, it's, you know, targeted for, you know, an authentic uh, teen sound, it's targeted for an authentic region, you know, and if they're, they're shooting for authenticity, you kind of know what you're hearing, right? And we all know when someone's putting on a hokey accent, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, a, there's that funny uncle everybody has, right? <laughs> Who, you know, no matter what, um, is going to come up with an Arnold Schwarzenegger ad lib um, or, you know, something to that effect. So I think if you're, if you're really listening... It's, it's easy to pick out the people that are, you know, kind of maybe exposed to a certain type of accent. Maybe they're from the region themselves. They have family. Uh, those can sometimes lead to, uh, you know, some really excellent deliveries uh, versus the person who's kind of hamming it up a little bit. And maybe that works for certain types of products. Other times it's you're going to be the person who stands out.
1: Mm-hmm. Might those people be trying too hard, perhaps? Like, because it's one thing to to kind of do an accent, and and you think, well, I know enough about this to sound great for ten minutes. But but if someone's really trying to put on whatever that is, um, it really doesn't sound good, does it?
0: No, and and that's just the thing. I think a good comparison would be, um, you know, if you're looking for let's say, an authentic sounding, you know, like London, England accent, like Cockney accent, right? You're kind of thinking of perhaps like a Michael Caine, mm-hmm. right? Very distinct sound. You, you, you know that there's some real authenticity. And, and so it comes with a natural cadence. It comes with natural speaking. You're not looking for Dick Van Dyke,
1: mm-hmm. who,
0: you know, from uh, Mary Poppins, was really kind of, uh, I think, lambasted throughout the... Uh, the VO community is maybe not nailing that accent. I think it's fair to say. Um, so I think that's where you come at it. I think you have to come at it with, um, you know, really listening to what the client's looking for. I think it's a client's responsibility to also be up front with, you know, the use of the product, the market. Um, those types of details are important to help a talent maybe decide whether or not they want to jump in. But uh, I think authenticity versus being a caricature of an accent is is really the the two camps that you can Fade into and depends on what the client's looking for. If they want a caricature, go for it. It's cartoony, it's a bit fun. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to nail it perfectly. And you can maybe ham it up a little bit. Those are great, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, when something's meant to be over the top and there's that freedom to do that, then certainly go for it, as you said. But I know that you've had some clients in the past that have really been sticklers about this whole you need to be a native speaker of this accent. And I know we've covered this in different ways through the blogs and and even on podcasts, I believe, in the past. But Grant, can you tell us a story about when that happened?
0: Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, in our side of uh, the casting uh, operation. We of course want to send anyone who is really putting forward a you know a clean read, does a custom audition, you know nails the key things that the client's looking for. Now, if a client has a client of their own, and they're really listening to the, uh, these auditions with authenticity in mind, a great example would be we had a, a client who is from Liverpool. They were putting a product together for local Liverpool audience, right? And they wanted someone who was fluent Liverpoollian. Now. If you can do that, that's great. But if the client is looking for someone, you know, with just, uh, you know, real authenticity, like, you know, this is a real person who's speaking to our people. Not only that, they are themselves the people that are in the audience. We were, actually, I was really happy, but we were able to deliver a lineup of great talents. And there was one particular talent who happened to be American, who nailed it and fooled them. oh, Fooled the locals, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So we book a phone patch session. It's going, you know, we're, we're really excited about it. You know, we're really surprised, too, that this American talent uh, did such a great job. But that's what these surprises are, are really great uh, when you put a talent forward and they and they nail it. So we were excited about it. And then when the client got on the phone, and of course, the beginning of the phone patch is, so how's it going? Yeah, I'm going to bust into this uh, UK accent in just oh, a second, no. in five, four, three, two. And they're like, hold up.
1: Oh, <laughs> no. No, we
0: want it authentic. And, and it just, it kind of ruined the illusion mm-hmm. for them. Now. I think it's a it's a it's a credit to the talent's uh, genuine abilities. So I mean, those are the types of you know odd situations for a mismatch, but that's how that's how real authenticity uh, is for a client. They are looking for that type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so if if you have that, let's say in the job description, uh, when a talent is looking at those uh, words, authenticity, authentic, you must be from here, be a local, you need to sound like you are from this place they really actually might mean you should have been from this place versus you um, perhaps have adopted the accent and are quite convincing at it.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm all about still trying to get the talent um, a successful gig. Mm-hmm. So if it says authentic, be ready to put that accent on full time. And... Take it and run with it, basically. So um, I'm not going to deter anyone from trying. This would be a great example of when it completely worked. And, you know, they were looking for authentic, and we had a talent who nailed it. So, you know, I think it's still a win. I actually think it was a little bit of a a funny client experience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, I I think, you know, if you can put something together where you can believably carry that conversation, you know, if you've maybe been a, a world traveler a little bit, spent some time in a country, and, you know, based in that immersion, we're able to take away something, into you know, the cadence, the sort of local, natural flow. Bring it to what you can do. It's, it's all the more opportunities that you're going to be exposed to and, and, and able to participate in
1: mm-hmm. Now, can you tell me about a situation maybe where someone actually did put the accent on and they weren't a native speaker, but, but they were so good at it that no one even cared?
0: Oh, most definitely. So, you know, here's a great example of, you know, if you're doing radio spots, these, these things can be very quick very punchy, and if you can hit something in terms of the spirit of that tone, no one's going to really kind of check the authenticity. Mm-hmm. They expect to hear sort of that radio sound, which is a little bit more bombastic, a little bit more boisterous in many cases. Radio is very amped up, right? So as such, you know, a radio personality with an accent kind of sounds, I mean, if you, if you tune into uh, international radio, it doesn't matter anywhere in the world, there's that cadence that's classic radio. They all have that sort of, you know, perfect mic settings to make them sound very bassy, um, high energy. You know, the, the, the words have like really, really, you know, pregnant pauses in between. And it's all, you know, there's, there's that cadence. And we all know what we're talking about. If you can have an accent and it's that type of product, go for it. Because believe it or not, that that stuff works. Because the overall message is really a radio product with the right cadence. And yeah, it's got a little bit of that accent hook go for mm-hmm. it. And you also find a lot of times too, um, radio stations from different parts of the world are looking for not the local accent, right? They're looking for something just a little spicy or something just a little different mm-hmm. to maybe give them a feeling of um, international appeal or maybe the style of music or the style of uh, product that they're putting out uh, reflects you know kind of more of a global feel.
1: So this could be maybe where those caricatures could come in, like... Um, for example, maybe someone trying to do a British accent. Have you seen where an American has successfully pulled that off to their own people, but in kind of a funny way?
0: Most definitely. And, and that falls into, um, you know, real character talents. And we have some phenomenal character talents, or, or, uh, you know, people that can really, you know, grab the essence of the character. And yeah, there's some tropes that you're playing with, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, uh, pure conversational. It's really, you know, that sort of personality is the thing that stands out the most, But uh, a lot of video games are the types of things that we will book. And there are people from Midwest U.S. who are fantastic. And globally, you would never know where they're really from. They're doing video games uh, around the world Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, any kind of accent. They're doing uh, urban sort of African-American type personalities. They're doing uh, really you name it. What they're going to be able to do is effectively capture the feeling of that particular character. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are great projects to be a part of because you always get surprised right
1: oh yeah and especially if someone gets to do something fun like sound like Ringo Starr for instance
0: absolutely so for you know uh, we had a California radio station doing a a Beatles theme Beatlemania week uh it was in celebration of one of the uh many catalog releases that you know comes out of the Beatles archive and uh, they were looking for kind of a comedic Ringo Starr well Mm -hmm. you know the person who nailed it is an American that's pretty cool right um and I think there's a bit of fan um respect paid there I think that particular person has really been a fan of the Beatles for a long period of time and again it's that level of comfort or immersion where they have that comedic take on it right Um, those types of things work so if you feel that you've got an angle whether it be you know entertaining on the one side where it's maybe a bit comedic over the top but you know you think it's really funny go for it but make sure that you're putting that type of audition forward if that's what they're asking for if they're asking for a realistic sounding you know kid from uh, Scotland um you know think twice about you know who <laughs> yeah. you're competing with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right
1: true. Well, the last thing that anyone wants to do, and I, I don't I don't know if all voice sound are necessarily thinking about this as it happens, but, but if you're submitting for something that you're technically not qualified for, or you don't sound like you're authentic in that role, like for instance, if you are not a Scottish child, yes. perhaps do not audition for that. Or, you know, like there's just, you don't want to give anyone the wrong impression of your abilities, uh, especially if you can prevent that from happening. So to be more selective perhaps in the auditioning process.
0: Very true. Very true. And so, you know, when we get lineups, I'm often, anytime I look for accents, I'm always kind of surprised. It's funny. uh, It's fun for us. I got to admit, you know, there's a, you know, I I may have in certain uh, requirements that we're posting, maybe 20 people. And there's a wide array of just, you know, interesting characters in there. But, you know, if I'm looking for a realistic sounding child, it's like, hi, you know, here's my voice talent. You know, it's a very high (laughs) pitch register, high pitch register. And then it's... realistic sounding child in one, (laughs) two, three, all right. And they're doing it in the exact same radio cadence that they've always done. So that's where I think, you know, let's be honest, read the artistic direction if it's been provided. Yeah, clients don't always do it. But if they have done, that's really when you stand out as a sore thumb.
1: Oh, yes. And your time's
0: worth something. You're, you know, you're spending time plugging in. You're spending time reading the text. You might as well have a shot at it.
1: That's true. And,
0: and, and read what they're looking for.
1: Well, we've seen this before with the child voice casting uh, projects that have gone through the site where they are saying, we want real children. We can tell if you are not a real child. It is yes. quite obvious. And, and I'm sure uh, I know Pat Fraley refers to this sort of thing as a kid with a mortgage. Like you, 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 <laughs> yeah. you just should not put yourself out there if That's you don't right. actually sound like the child. You, you sound too old, let's say, for the role and, and just not a good fit.
0: It, and it can be kind of spooky let's be honest <laughs> yeah. um, if especially if they're going for authentic and they you know some people have no business trying to play that um, mm-hmm. th- i mean especially if you know and we have a very large community there's a lot of voice talents that are bringing their kids into the industry so you know they have access if they're looking for authentic children we're going we're going to find them mhm and if you're throwing your hat in the ring and you know uh, you've been a smoker for a long period of time and no judgments here but mm-hmm. your voice is definitely it's you know changed. harder mm-hmm. and right. changed Maybe that's not the one for you. That's yeah.
1: all. Yeah. No, I agree. Thank you on that. Um, now that we're, we're still talking about accents here, uh, and this <laughs> might be kind of a funny part of our conversation. Uh, I, but I love
0: the accent conversation. It's yes. great. Yes.
1: Oh, it's so much fun. Um, but I, I think people ought to know what the accents that are done most horribly are. And and perhaps if, if they're trying to do them, and you know they might reconsider. But but Grant, from your perspective and from what you've heard over the years, which accents are the most horrible? Off the mark consistently.
0: <laughs> okay. So um, the opinions expressed in the following comment solely reflect Rand Thomas, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> the opinions of Voices.com as, a, as an entire company. Um, from my experience and from what I've been able to see, a lot of times if something's posted British, mm-hmm. you get a lot of Mrs. Doubtfires.
1: Oh, goodness. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes.
0: And it's just like, okay, well, they're they're kind of shooting for like a real person in an audio book. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not, but fair enough, Right. Um, African-American, believe it or not. Um, you know, there's a lot of people looking for, uh, many different products that are going to be represented by, you know, a legitimate African-American accent, be honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you, if you can do it fine. But if it's a real caricature, those things can, can drift, uh, into, um, you know, scary, uh, for a client to listen to. Um, I would say, you know, broad Asian accents, Mm -hmm. um. One, I've been incredibly impressed with you know a lot of them that have been delivered, but some of them are really treading on uh, being insensitive mm. to uh, maybe the audience that this product is in fact targeting. And again, you have to sort of read what this is about. If it's a legit product or a, um, a real character, they're maybe not looking for Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's, which was kind of a, another accent that wasn't received very well, right? Um, partially because of its insensitivity to the real people uh, who represent. Uh, that community um, Jamaican we have a lot of Jafakin going on on the website
1: <laughs> <Jafakin>? <laughs> like, I've never heard that before quick so. someone look in the dictionary and if it's yeah. not there put it there
0: J- yeah. J- yeah. what did you say Jafakin Jafakin <laughs> yeah Jafakin okay and, everyone and, and, write that down and you're not fooling anybody uh, <laughs> oh, it's really something I have to listen to. And, and every time I post one, I'm just rolling my eyes going, oh, man, here it comes. Here <laughs> comes. Here comes, comes a wave of people who, you know, maybe went to the islands, had a great time. But maybe, <laughs> just maybe, this is not going to be a gig you really ever got. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, oh. And then the last one I would say is maybe sort of, a, you know, a broad uh, East Indian
1: mm-hmm. accent. Mm-hmm. And I mean,
0: I think it's fair to say that each one of these have sort of, you know, um, areas of authenticity. Uh, where people, trust me, I I post these jobs, we still close them because there are some amazing talents who really are truly hitting the right notes, right? Uh, It's up to us to put the right artistic direction. But every time I, any any one of these five, I get caricatures that are just way off the wall. And we have to sort of sit back and go, oh my goodness, that's like and, and a lot of times it's time-capsuled caricatures, where mm-hmm. maybe that's not what people really talk or sound like now.
1: <laughs> it's like a, an odd stereotype from some pop culture thing however long ago. Definitely. And it just like, should not a, have that's stuck.
0: That's a 70s stereotype, what they're doing right there. That doesn't... I don't even know what that means. He said jive turkey. I don't think that's a real thing anymore.
1: (laughs) I don't even know what that is. So yeah, yeah, there's a whole generation perhaps that has no idea what some of these ad libs are. So just keep that in mind too. Um, But I know uh, that there was someone who was actually quite talented at doing these sort of things and a master of accents and and comedy and and just, uh, I think it's time and it's appropriate really to uh, pay some tribute to Robin Williams right now. So uh, I know that you were a big fan of Robin's work and uh, I'd like you to, to just take the stage now and share some of your thoughts. Uh,
0: thank you. Uh, so Robin Williams, um, you know, he's a big bucket of win. He's a fantastic talent. Uh, over the course of his career, of course, he started out uh, more improv, uh, comedy stuff. He, he did go to Juilliard. He was formally trained. I mean, his, his level of experience speaks for itself. And that's why we're all, you know, obviously paying attention and tipping the hat to him. Um, but I think really what he brought to the game was this kind of, um, you know, you can start as perhaps a, a comedic talent, uh, you can be that wildfire, frenetic energy that he always was. You see him on some of those early clips at The Tonight Show. Uh, they didn't know what to do with him. He really just upstages <laughs> everybody. And that's a fantastic thing to watch, right? You yes, know?
1: Johnny Carson and stitches, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, he did rare public appearances because I think that level of energy took a lot for him to to really put out there. Uh, and, and I think later on, it's fair to say that Uh, you know, that was a balancing act between the energy he turned on and then maybe his own personal struggles that he was going Mm -hmm. through. Um, But I think what he also brought was, you know, the comedic accents, just to stay in terms of the the theme of what we're doing. He was like the person who could bring, he had this stream of consciousness type comedy where he could literally go anywhere. He was kind of like, before Family Guy, there was Robin Williams. Uh, Family Guy's writing is very much known for just hopping all over the place and there's an overall theme but it's not this uh, uh, linear line. You're really sort of bouncing around, uh, and it's always very entertaining. Robin Williams invented that, I think. He really, you know, out of the blue, there's a there's a new accent, it's a pop culture reference. He's nailing it in a very comedic caricature type of way, but he's in comedy, he's allowed to, and that's the beautiful thing about comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, later on in his career, of course, uh, he explored some incredible emotional depth, but with the same care. Uh, passion, and even a level of vulnerability that was kind of refreshing to see uh, that really made him human and I think adored by everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I certainly grew up listening to him, seeing him. Um, Some of the movies that I remember uh, were definitely Dead Poet Society, one of my favorites. I can't remember if I first saw it in an English class, which I think a lot of us did. Um, But Robin also did voiceover, too. And a lot of people do remember him as Genie. and, And he was kind of the first kind of big celebrity to do a Disney voice that was kind of pumped up as, whoa, look at this production. We've got Robin Williams doing these crazy vocal acrobatics, really. Like even that, you know, you got to have a friend like me, I think. There was a song in the movie where he's just, you know, um, the character anyway, and I'm sure Robin was at the same time too, dancing and running around and just, you know, things spinning all over. And that was really how he was. He just was constantly on fast forward, but he also had had um the skill and I guess the kind of artistic integrity that is very rare that you see in someone who is able to balance the just kind of respecting the role but also taking it as far as he possibly could
0: most definitely and and a funny note on on the side of the recording of uh Aladdin doing the parts for Genie he ad-libbed most of it they pretty much just turned it on and let him go and 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 in a tribute to the producers at Disney who really just identified that this guy's a raw talent and they wanted that kind of character. They just, they just let him go off. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the things that he did to make that a really beloved character that I think in many ways, you know, I think it can be said that, uh, you know, little mermaid and then uh, Aladdin were kind of like back to back movies that really sort of revitalize mm-hmm. that uh, new Renaissance for the Disney um, products that were being put out after that. Um, a lot of it's to do with Robin's, um, you know, energy. They were looking for that type, you know, we need that, that character who can just take this movie and run with it. And now it's quite commonplace to see, you know, A-list Hollywood stars voicing characters. You wouldn't even necessarily know. They just, they really, they're, they're putting him in there all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Poets Society, one of my favorite movies. Another one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. is Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, I think that was one of the, the movies that really showed his true versatility, where uh, when he was on air, making everyone laugh, cutting everything up, um, just being an unstoppable force that he was was equally balanced with this real sensitivity of his, you know, uh, real person, um, you know, kind of a exposure to the Vietnam experience, and, and that was a brilliant movie. I really saw that, um, and, and and of course, Goodwill Hunting. You know, he, you know, obviously he, he finally got some some real acclaim for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, you know, if you think about it, a transition from originally Mork and Mindy to say something that's so serious is. Uh, goodwill hunting, just a phenomenal career. Uh, he will truly be missed.
1: I agree. And certainly, I think everyone listening to this podcast agrees. Uh, Robin, uh, I can't even count the number of Facebook status updates I have seen, just kind of, you know, with people obviously mourning, having great grief, um, but also attributing him as an influence and someone who helped to shape their acting careers, someone in whose footsteps they could follow. Something else that Robin Williams was really great at was drawing upon characters for inspiration in roles that he was performing. And Mrs. Doubtfire, as you kind of alluded to earlier, right. that, that kind of accent that some people like to, to take on, uh, or that voice, that, that character, was one of them. So is there anything you can...
0: His, uh, I remember seeing in an interview, and his take on that particular character was he was kind of infusing kind of a Julia Child's um, you know, uh, caricature into... The character. And of course, you put it like a kind of a Scottish nanny spin on it. But everyone's very familiar with the Oh, yes. Ooh. you know, like, <laughs> Julia Child's kind of got a, a range of her own. Uh, she's very unique uh, sound. And I think other people have played on that. But, um, you know, a lot of times, I mean, if you want to take um, to sort of a, a current experience is that that's what a lot of people do uh, when they're starting projects, right? Clients will even come to us looking for characters, not even knowing the people who played them but just looking for characters of certain, uh, you know, movies to capture that feeling of really what they're going for, right? So there's, there's many times we'll get asked, you know, you know, the Dodge Ram guy. Well, they don't know it's Sam Elliott. He's not plastered all over the commercials, but, you know, anyone in voiceovers knows that guy. You know, that's who he is, right? Um, and he's you know, incredibly successful at that tone. Uh, James Earl Jones. I mean, people will ask for James Earl Jones not knowing it's him, but they'll just be asking for, um, you know, the guy from CNN. Right? Mm-hmm. This is Seattle, you know. And they're always gonna, you know, kind of be drawn into that, you know, um, you know, very distinguished, you know, mature sound, and that's what they're looking for. They're, mm-hmm. You know, that's the product they're they're putting together. Morgan Freeman is a classic. Everybody knows that. Uh, I know probably twelve Morgan Freemans on the wow. website. Yeah, yeah. It well, sounds that's very strange. Well, eleven
1: more than I know. <laughs> that's
0: true. <laughs> that's true. Um, they're definitely, um, you know, some people that are just nailing it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and. Not to mention other people that are shooting for just a feeling that's very similar to that. Um, but it really does help capture what this particular client's going for. Um, another person would be uh, Sam Jackson. Uh, be careful with the content. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ad-lib a Sam Jackson requirement. That's all I'm saying. Um, Kiefer Sutherland is actually another one that I, I was quite surprised. But, you know, he does do a lot of VO work. And that's certainly um, a distinctive voice when you really think about all the stuff that he's had his... Uh, um, his voice lent to mm-hmm. uh, Tim Allen more recently because of the, uh, the pure Michigan mm-hmm. campaigns that have been there. But I mean, that's really kind of that blue collar wholesome type of sound. And now of course you're going to start seeing that in many other products, right? Uh, people just want to kind of draw upon what's already out there um, and then, you know, kind of repurpose it for their own product. So it's, it's always interesting. Now that being said, sound alikes when being requested. And I think that, you know, my 12 Morgan Freeman's can going to to this. <laughs> It can say that they're looking for Morgan Freeman. They don't always pick a Morgan Freeman. Oh. Right? They're Mm -hmm. picking someone who's unique and someone who sounds legitimately authentic, who's got that kind of voice, maybe that kind of cadence, but is not trying to pull off a character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, never be afraid. If the the client is asking for one thing, maybe even be willing to go two reads, right? State it in your slate. Go, you know, I'm going to do it in a Morgan Freeman type voice, and I'm going to do it in sort of more natural conversation voice give yourself the uh, the versatility or you know the ability to sort of bet against or hedge your bets if you will mm-hmm. to to get the gig.
1: I know sometimes the talent will actually put that in their proposals because sometimes and I don't know it's it's different from person to person who's working here, but but sometimes uh, you appreciate hearing them say something in their audition and and sometimes it's just like, no, just read the copy. So um, I think it's really great that the talent can do more than one take, and they certainly should if they feel they have something that they would like to add. We certainly have many talented voice actors who can take on the likes of Sam Elliott, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, Sam Jackson, as you mentioned, and uh, possibly even Kiefer Sutherland. I know his dad, Donald Sutherland, is is big in VO circles as well. Tremendous. So, so there's a bit of that, maybe a legacy, maybe, a, you know, that's working there. Um, but something I find really interesting, actually, is that it isn't necessarily having to sound so close to somebody in terms of you sound exactly like the celebrity. It's more about sounding um, like how they talk. It's about the cadence, the phrasing, where you breathe, how you pause. Uh, it, it's more or less just that sort of Um, interpretation of the speaking style versus actually sounding 100% like someone else.
0: Absolutely. And if you think about it, um, there are people that are going to do impersonations. That's kind of like a rich little thing. They're nailing it to sound exactly like that other person. Other times, they're looking for a cool character. I want someone who's as cool as George Clooney. That's not really a sound like kind of voice thing. They're looking for someone to sort of reflect that confidence.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? It could be attitude, maybe.
0: Attitude is everything. Um, the ability to, um, you know, deliver the lines in a realistic tone, embracing the character that you know. Hopefully, is uh, you've been given enough artistic direction or background on the character you're reading to be able to kind of capture that thing. It's a it's a it's a it's a funny science that we're in, where you know these are all intangibles. But when you really break it down, it's how much you're sort of paying attention to the cues that you're being given will really lend itself to the level of success that you can make.
1: So all of that said, and just kind of encouraging talent to read the copy as if they're kind of walking in the shoes of, of maybe that talent they're trying to emulate. Um, how do you feel about improv in auditions? Is, is that something that they should be doing or does that take away from maybe the integrity of the script or, or possibly the authenticity that they're trying to portray?
0: Very interesting question. So um, there's a couple of talents that have been able to, especially if the, the client is looking for conversational. I, I think, honestly, when you see the word conversational, it's kind of a green light for a little bit of improv. You're allowed to stretch the text a little bit. You know, you're allowed to put maybe a couple of lines in there that you feel more comfortable with. I would certainly recommend, uh, and, and one talent in particular, starts every one of his conversational reads with, Okay. So you've got this product and like he will, he will just have it so that it's like, this is conversational. This is a guy literally pulling me aside and go, okay, here's what you need to know. Mm -hmm. And he starts it off in that very natural way. Maybe that's how he talks to all of his friends, but it really does lend itself to like, okay, he's really, he's really hitting this. Like he's just delivering, delivering the goods, like delivering some truth.
1: Yeah. And I think that some talent actually use something like, okay, as a lead in, because it helps them get in that space where they know. All right, well, this is a sort of read I'm going for, and to get to that read, I need to do this. So for someone like, I know you you mentioned your 12 Morgans. Yeah. Well, one yeah. of the 12 <laughs> happens to have a certain phrase that he uses that gets him into the voice, and maybe that's what that person is doing. So if you find that there's a little hook, or or for if you're a singer, sometimes it's like a muscle memory thing, or you that's breathe right. a certain way, um, then if you know, this is where my conversational voice lives, then that's something that you should try to kind of standardize for yourself and and just use that as a tool to help you get into that read
0: exactly it's really about finding the tools that you have read the text find the rhythm in the script because of course you're just reading plain text but if you know that okay here's where my pregnant pause is you know here's where my you know my my kind of my power line i'm going to drop it right here here's the here it is um that's where your power is going to be. You you know, read a script with that in mind. It depends on the product, of course. But if you're, you know, looking for conversational and they're looking for a bit of ad lib and they're, you know, they're trying to look for something believably real world, think about how you would say this as if you were um, delivering it to a friend. Think about how you would say this if you were really just embracing what the message is. You know, this person uh, in this particular character is obviously delivering something that means something to them and they want to hear it in a way that. It sounds real world. It's um, a lot of, and here's, an, here's a side where improv doesn't get applied so much or conversational doesn't get applied so much. And I would say that's a lot of international talents. A lot of the criticism that we get is that um, international reads, uh, whether it be from Japan or from uh, you know, Cantonese or Mandarin, they're very formal, almost too stiff. So to get a, a very conversational dialect from them is almost seen as street talk, Mm. Too informal, improper, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of clients are looking for more casual conversation, more real world, on the street, uh, first person dialogue. And I don't think they're necessarily getting that from a lot of auditions, perhaps because there is a feeling of education and properness to uh, what has to be delivered. Uh, It's almost like what uh, used to be uh, criticized or or looked at from early broadcast uh, footage, of, say, BBC and things of that nature, and everything was like the Queen's English. You couldn't break it and sound like you were a real person from the street. And it was only later on in the 60s and in the 70s, of course, you start seeing radio, start to have a personality that reflected the people who were, in fact, listening to it, right? And I think if you look at other markets on an international level, uh, a lot of tech companies and a lot of other brands, cool brands, are really looking for a cool person to represent it. And they don't want to necessarily have kind of a school teacher's um delivery of that type of uh, dialogue um if a good example would be um Japanese uh, a lot of times is incredibly formal i mean there's there's a lot of um proper uh language there that you know there's a huge amount of respect for you know saying it properly right and there's almost uh you know street talk is looked down upon from kind of a professional standing to a certain extent you wouldn't say that in the office and with your colleagues and whatnot you'd be proper but if you're watching, you know, a Coca-Cola advertisement or if you're watching, a, you know, a telephone company, right, and they want to really capture a youth market, they're going to shoot for something uh, more natural, uh, something I've, I've been told is called like Osaka-ben or uh, uh, Kensei-ben, uh, which is really just a, a region of, uh, of kind of sl- not slang conversation, but just the way that they sort of stretch their words out and talk like real people, right? So I would always encourage people, if you see something that says conversational, that's a green light to ad-lib but green light in the sense of make it your own, make it something believable, make it something you would say to a friend.
1: Now, that's great advice, Grant, because oftentimes people think that improv means change everything when it really only means interpret this in your own way with the text still remaining in in the shape that it was before you encountered it.
0: Absolutely, and if you think about it, they've given you some instruction in the first place and given you some license perhaps to stretch it a bit. Well, if you're going to do two takes, give them the one that you think they're perhaps looking for the most right up front. And then on the second one, you know, add some creativity to it. Don't destroy the artistic direction and go at a complete, you know, now I'm doing it in this accent because I can do a believable Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's like, no, you know, keep keep within the range, but uh, give them what they're really looking for first. And then if you have a second read, just say so in your slate. It lets them know what they're listening for.
1: Right. So following the artistic direction is very important. And just so our listeners know, how would you describe a well-improvised read?
0: I think a a well-improvised read is something that reads believable, reads authentic, um, or reads comedic. Again, it depends on the product, of course, but if the radio station is looking for just some sort of wacky character, that's that's a, a wide open space, right? Have some fun with it, bring your A-game, bring something that you do that makes your friends laugh. That's great, right? Uh, but if they're looking for, you know, you to be able to stretch this character out to make them more believable but conversational, then, of course, keep it in mind they're looking for someone who sounds like a real person, you know? So don't read it so stiff. Have fun with it. Don't feel that you have to read it exactly how it's written. They're giving you that ability to to breathe some life into a character, in fact. So um, take it and run with it. Uh, you'll be surprised. The, the, the people that who are doing uh, conversational uh, auditions and not delivering a conversational read are doing themselves a disservice. But when you're delivering one that's believable, you stand out. And that's just really a, it's a nuanced thing, but I think it's very important to understand.
1: And a lot of that comes from them feeling comfortable reading what they're reading and for their own authentic selves, if you will, to come through. So that being said, how do you feel about people improvising more with their voice in terms of the tones, the colors, the the fluctuation, as opposed to changing the words? Is that preferable, would you say?
0: Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I think you you probably have more ability to, um, you know, bring life to the words rather than completely, you know, redraft the words. Uh, A lot of times you will hear a a client who's like, I like what they did, but what did they do that for? And I, or I, you know, in fact, I like what they did in terms of like range, but I can't present this to my client. These aren't the words I was in fact given, you know? So a lot of times our clients have clients of their own. They're maybe the visual uh, production house, uh, but they are, you know, really delivering a script that has been vetted by a marketing department and every word means something and you can't change it, right? So i just bear that in mind, right? Of course, if it's, but if it's more about a conversation, you can add like likes and wells and common things that make it more comfortable for you to speak, I really don't think they'll have a problem with that.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, I think that this authenticity, the whole being authentic is very important in voiceover because if you cannot make someone else believe that what you're saying is true, they're not going to believe it. And, And if you frankly don't believe what you're saying, it just won't come through as well either. So can you think of, and I know this is off the top of your head at this point. It's what I do. (laughs) But can you think of maybe a few examples of either campaigns or talent who have been able to be very believable in in how they've read the copy? Like who should people be listening to or or trying to model their maybe conversational reads after?
0: Okay. So uh, actual talents names?
1: If you'd like. No, absolutely.
0: I mean, there's some talents who really deliver Excellent conversational uh, dialogues. Please know that I'm not trying to exclude anyone. I feel like I'm now accepting an Oscar, and I have to include uh, everybody. But uh, I would say Mike O'Brien is uh, is fantastic for a conversational tone. I'd say Brad Ziffer is great for conversational, right? Um, I'd say uh, Dave Kaplan is fantastic. Just in terms of, you know, believable, you know, guy-in-the-office, you know, everyday Joe, who sounds like a person you would be speaking with, right?
1: Well, how about the ladies?
0: The ladies, okay. So, uh, I would say ladies that can really deliver a very conversational, relaxed read would be uh, Shelly baldig is a great talent for that. Um, most definitely, I would say that um, you know, uh, Diana Burtzall is great for that. You could also listen to Mindy Williamson. Mindy Williamson is a uh, a newer talent to the site. I've seen her more often. She's delivering a relaxed, conversational flow that that people definitely gravitate towards. Um, I would say those three kind of stand out. Uh, and again, you know, just to name three off the top of my head, those are sort of the ones that are, um, you know, I've had the ability to work with more recently. Clients have been sort of booking them repeatedly, so I think that says something. Um, but I mean, that's not to mention. I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of really fantastic talent, so um, I certainly don't want to exclude anyone. But, you know, if you want to listen to someone for, for style and, and believability and delivery, um, you know, those, those talents are great. I'd even say like a Becky Shrimpton is a, is a talent who um, has a kind of a, a young adult conversational real girl flow, girl next door type of thing, right? Um, Amanda Sellers falls into that category, too. I think she's a prime example of a great girl next door, right? Um, but, I mean, we, we have – that's the best part about this site As I'm always surprised. So, you know, I, I listen to every single audition as they're coming in and I'm always, I, I really like to see, especially like a brand new person who doesn't have any stars. I have no idea when they signed up or whatever have you, but if they're just nailing it, it's like, this is perfect. I've just found a brand new, um, you know, person I can present to my, my client. So I get really enthusiastic about seeing uh, those surprises.
1: Well, thanks Grant for coming in and we'll certainly have you back again. And uh, just so pleased that you, you were here today.
0: Well, thank you very much. And and thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you all have a great day.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed our very special interview this week with Grant Thomas. And I want to thank you for joining us here this week on Vox Talk. So as you know, you can always continue the conversation on our Facebook page. And all you need to do is look for Vox Talk podcast there. And we would love to hear what you think. So be sure to stay subscribed and stay tuned for our next episode. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. We'll see you next week.